morning, church family. Happy July 4th. It's good to be here. It's a privilege to bring you God's word this day. We're going to be looking at Psalm 34. I'll go ahead and invite you to turn there in your Bibles with me. And Psalm 34 is a psalm of praise. But you might be saying, Jason, why in the world did you pick a psalm of praise the week after our senior pastor left? Bit of curious timing, isn't it? Am I calling you to rejoice because Matt's finally left? (laughs) No, I assure you, no. No, that's not it. But am I trying to make light of Matt leaving? I I assure you I'm not as well because Matt was one of my closest friends here at UPC. I believe God called him away, but it it still hurts. I'm I'm still processing it. I'm thinking about what life is going to be like without him here. And, and I just knew Matt for three years. Many of you knew Matt for much longer. And so in all sin- sincerity, I, I know that some of your sorrow and, and hurt runs deep right now. And my heart goes out to you. So I'll ask you again, why in the world did I pick a psalm of praise? Well, this psalm in particular speaks of praising the Lord at all times. We're to praise the Lord when we are overflowing with joy and happiness, when we're on mountaintop experiences, if you will. But we're also to praise, perhaps especially praise the Lord through the difficult times, times when we're hurting times when we're confused, maybe times when we're scared. I want us to seek the Lord during this time of transition, but even more than that, I want us to be a church that overflows in love, thanksgiving, and praise. Don't you want to be a church like that who can praise the Lord through the good and the bad? I believe that this psalm, Psalm 34, can help us this morning to do just that. So let's turn to God's word and see what he has for us. But but first, let's go before him in prayer. Oh Lord, we, we come before you in prayer now as your body because we need your grace. We need your grace to rightly understand your word. We need your grace to rightly apply it, to live it out in our lives. We need your grace to to praise you as you deserve to be praised. I pray you would use the preaching of your word to comfort us, to challenge us, to spur us on toward love and good deeds. Pray you would use your word to build up your church this day. So help us all, we pray, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would ask you all to give your special attention to the reading of God's word. This is God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word given to us that we might know the living and true God. And grow closer to him. Beginning in verse 1. Of David. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech. 
so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days? that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears, hear, er, his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's a lot in this psalm. I studied it a lot, and unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to get to everything I wanted to get to. So if you have any questions or concerns, uh, things that I don't get to in this passage, please come to me afterward. I'd love to talk with you, answer maybe some questions you have. But let me tell you where I am going this morning. I have a pretty simple outline, three points. My first point is the call to praise, the call to praise. Second is the reason for praise, the reason for praise. And then lastly, the life of praise, the life of so again, the call to praise, the reason for praise, and the life of praise. So let's go ahead and dive in with our first point. Look with me again at verse 1 in our passage. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Did you know that boasting or, or praising is quite natural for us as humans? Now, I did not say the praise or, or boasting in God is natural. 
But the boasting or praising of, um, it's, it's actually easy for us. Think about any time you see a great movie or read a great book or eat at a great restaurant. Do you enjoy that and then keep your mouth shut? No, you, you want to tell anyone and everyone you think will benefit from it. This was incredible. You've got to try this. We, we overflow with praise, with our favorite sports team, our favorite music artists, whoever we're enamored with. We love to sing their praises. But here's where our sinful nature gets in trouble. We also like to praise ourselves, don't we? Many of you will know the name Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was an American boxer in the 60s and 70s. He was incredible. One of the best boxers who's ever lived. And he thought he was the best. Once he said these words about himself. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Sounds like a joke, but he was completely honest. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Now, you may not be as blatant as Muhammad Ali, but we all too often sing our own praises, don't we? Look at verse 2 in our passage. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Why does King David mention the humble here? It's because it's the humble who see that it is not from themselves, it's from God. One of my favorite examples of humility that I've experienced in my life is from a friend of mine by the name of Ken Culpepper. Ken Culpepper is a a fantastic man. He's fascinating in so many ways. One of the most godly men I've ever met. And no matter what compliment you give to Ken, his response is always the same. He looks up to heaven and he says, praise God. And if you knew Ken, if you saw him speak, you'd know this wasn't fake. This wasn't like, yeah, I'm supposed to say praise God, but that sounds pretty good. Keep it coming. He, he genuinely heard every comment, any, any good, any praise toward him. He redirected it toward God. And he said, praise God. It's like that, that silly thing in elementary school. Did you ever, when someone said something mean to you, said, oh, yeah, well, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. As silly as it is, that's what makes me think with Ken Culpepper is anything you throw at him that's good, it just bounces off of him and goes to the Lord. Don't you want to be that kind of person? I sure do. So through the good and the bad, may we join King David and may we say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That is what we're called to, the call of praise. My second point this morning is the reason for praise. The reason for praise. It's a little misleading. It sounds like it's the only reason for praise. The reasons, plural, for praise are so numerous that I don't have time today, probably don't have time in this lifetime to enumerate them all. 
but uh, maybe a reason for praise is more accurate. But the reason for praise that I want to hone in this morning is that God is our great deliverer. God is our great deliverer, and so we should praise him. Uh, Look with me, if you will, at a few verses where we see this deliverance. Verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fear. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 17, the righteous cry for help. The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. We heard that God delivers out of fear, enemies, troubles, afflictions. We see that God delivered David out of almost half of them. It's not what it says, is it? God delivered David out of all of them. All of them. We serve a God who doesn't do half measures. But here's an interesting point. Why does God allow his people to go through that in the first place? Why doesn't he allow them to be delivered before they go through all that difficulty? I mean, look at verse 18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. That means that sometimes God's people are brokenhearted. Sometimes God's people are crushed in spirit. Why does God allow that? I can't give you a full answer this morning. It's a large topic. But I can tell you that when we suffer, God brings challenges into our lives that um, cause us to wrestle in ways that almost nothing else will. Think of John the Baptist for a second. John the Baptist, at the height of his ministry, saw Jesus Christ and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There was boldness. There was confidence. But what happened when John was thrown in prison? When he languished in prison, when he had the threat of death over his head because of the queen, he began to doubt. He sent disciples to Jesus, and the disciples asked on behalf of John, are you really the Messiah, or should we wait for another? Suffering can cause us to see um, less clearly. What we know for sure at one point can become less clear through suffering. And that's why the psalmists often cry out to God and say things like, God, why have you forsaken me? God, don't you love me? Where are you, God? It actually takes faith. When you're in the midst of it, to believe, verse 18, the Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. But you know what is easy when you're going through difficulty? Prayer. 
prayer can be amazingly easy sometimes because you see your great need. You see that you're in a situation that is beyond you, and you know that you need help. When I was, um, the first time I went over to East Asia was a a short-term mission project after my third year in college. And in eight weeks, I probably prayed more in eight weeks than I've ever prayed in another eight weeks in my life. Why was that? Well, because I was completely helpless. I, I couldn't do anything on my own. I was stretched in ministry. All these things happened. I couldn't even order food by myself. And so I prayed. And it was easy to pray. And, and suffering can make it easy for us to pray as well. Did you hear all of the prayers in our psalms? Look with me again at a few verses. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. Now, why am I honing in on prayer so much right now? Let's be honest, our, our church is going through a difficult time. It's a time that we need prayer. You know, when we, if we're not careful, when we don't pray, we can communicate something to the Lord. We can say, don't worry, God. I don't need your help. I I think I can do this on my own. If I need you, I'll get to you. But I'm good. Oh, church. May we not be that kind of church. May we not be the kind of church that does not rely on God at all times, especially during this time. I loved what Pastor Matt talked about, um, this temptation of a holding pattern, if you were here last week. We can be prone to think that we're just in waiting mode, that we're in a holding pattern until a senior pastor came and he exhorted us, God is on the move. Do not think that God will not show up if you ask for him to do so. He is advancing his kingdom. He is growing his church. And just because we don't have a senior pastor right now doesn't mean God is scared. Oh no, can't use UPC right now. And so I humbly plead you to continue doing what you're already doing, and that is going before the Lord in prayer, asking for his blessing upon this church. And if I can plug the announcement that's already been made, congregational prayer, um, slight mistypo on the thing. It used to be 7.30, it's been moved to 7. I know not everyone can make it at that time during the week, but if you can, would you resolve this day to say at least once a month, I'm going to come, and if I pray out loud or if I don't pray out loud, I'm going to come, be with God's people, and pray with them, and ask for the Lord's blessing during this time.
now. I am super encouraged. Like, I have great hope for this church. I've gotten to know many of the leaders of this church, and, and I want to assure you, you're being led by godly men. Men who love Jesus Christ. Men who love the church and are working hard on her behalf. But on their own, they do not have what it takes to get the job done. And, and I'm not speaking ill of these men. There is no one on this earth by themselves who has what it takes to get the job done. We need the Lord. So let us pray to him. Let him just watch. Pray to the Lord and watch. And we will see how great of a deliverer he is. Before I move on to my last point, I would be foolish to miss how God is the greatest deliverer, where he delivers us from our greatest need. And that comes from verse 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Oh, church, what great peril we were in. What great cost your salvation came. Think of it this way. If you leave this church today and you drive too quickly and you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, you'll need to pay somewhere between $50 to $200. Kind of depends on how fast you're going. Hope it's not more than that. Um, and you might wrestle or you might finagle a little bit with what you think you should pay versus, but there's a general principle of justice, and that is the more severe the crime, the more severe the penalty. Speed a little, get punished this much, do a severe crime, pay this much. What does it say that the penalty for rebelling against the living God is an eternity of punishment in hell. But that is not a payment you have to pay, and that's because we serve a merciful, loving God. A God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ might pay our penalty for us. And so if we turn from our sins, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that penalty that we deserve fell on Christ on our behalf. What a wonderful deliverer we have. May our lips always be filled with praise. Last point this morning, the life of praise. The life of praise. Look with me at verses 11 through 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You see, we praise the Lord not just with our lips, 
but with our whole lives. With our whole lives. But first off, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is not terror. I hope you know that. The fear of the Lord is not dread. Like God is out to get us and he's ready to smite us the moment we step out of line. We know that. We know it beyond a shadow of a doubt because God already proved his love to us. He sent his son for us. So, no, fear of God is awe, reverence, respect. Maybe I can explain it this way. The Bible often describes the fear of God when it contrasts it with the fear of man. Do you know what the fear of man is? An, an over-care or concern for what people think about you? And so you do certain things or you don't do certain things, not because it's the right thing to do, but because you care what others think about you. Well, now compare that to Psalm 118. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What a difference, right? Did you know that there were people in Jesus' day who believed Jesus was who he claimed he was, but they didn't put their full faith in him because of the fear of man? It's sad. John 12 tells us many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Wow. They loved the glory more that comes from man than the glory that comes from God. How do we know we're not there? How do we know that we don't love the glory of men more than we love the glory of God? Well, the psalmist tells us. Look at verses 13 and 14. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. Now let me be abundantly clear here. This is not how we earn God's favor. This is not how we earn his love, his adoption as sons. Now that is a free gift, brothers and sisters. That is a gift that God gives us when we put our faith in Christ. This isn't how we earn God's favor, but if we have faith in Christ, this is how we'll act. This is how we will um, act. We will turn from evil. We will do good. We will strive after peace because we want to honor the God who saved us. During my second time in East Asia, it was a year after I graduated college. I'd been married about a year. I'll never forget a question that one of my friends asked me. I was talking about the radical love and forgiveness of God, how I forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future. He, he was blown away, and he said, Jason, if, if God will forgive you of everything, why not just live it up? 
why not just sin? You're, you're going to be forgiven for it. And here's how I answered him. I said, I love my wife, and she loves me. And she will forgive me of just about anything, maybe everything that I do toward her. But knowing that does not mean I want to rush out and abuse that privilege. No, I, I love my wife. I want to cherish my wife, and I want to strive to not hurt her. And if I do, she'll forgive me. But I want to strive to love her, to care for her. The same is true of God. We are forgiven of all of our sins, but that shouldn't lead us to sin more. That should lead us to sin less. It should lead us to want to, to love him, to praise him, to live righteous and holy lives out of appreciation for all that he has done for us. My friends, this is the life of praise. And to be sure, there's going to be stumbling in that holiness, that the strive of holiness. I, I sin, I dishonor the Lord every single day. But I do desire to be more like Jesus. I do desire to grow in holiness because I want my life to honor the Lord. And I know that you want to honor the Lord as well. My friends, this is the life of praise. Jesus said, if you love me, you will, obey, you will keep my commandments. And if you keep his commandments because you love Christ, you will praise him. So may our lives be lives of praise to him. I'll conclude this morning with just a brief story of John Newton. It's a name you may be familiar with. John Newton was an Englishman in the 1700s. He was the captain of several slave ships. And in his young life, he had two main goals in life. First, he wanted to convince as many people as he could that Christianity was false. Second, he wanted to impregnate as many black slaves as he could. And here was a man who did not deserve God's grace. Here was a man who merited only the condemnation of God. But God in his love and forgiveness steeped down into the pit of his wickedness and he rescued him. And we know this story of John Newton because he penned what's probably the most famous hymn in the English language. Any guesses? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. I want to share two lines from that hymn that go so perfectly with Psalm 34. The first one is from the second stanza. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." It was the amazing grace of God that taught him to fear the Lord, but that same grace removed all other fears. 
If you have experienced that kind of grace, join with John Newton and praise the Lord. He has worked wonders on your behalf. The other line is from the first stanza. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Friends, if you are lost this morning, if you are spiritually blind, pray to the Lord. Ask for deliverance. Help, ask him to give you eyes that see these spiritual truths. But if you have seen these spiritual truths, if you have eyes that see, fix your eyes on Jesus. Behold his glory. The psalmist gives us com a command in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. May we strive in his strength to experience the goodness of God. And may it fill us with praise. Let us pray. Oh, God. We thank you so much for working on our behalf. We thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for how even now you're working and moving in this church. And we thank you that we will look back years from now. And say, wasn't it amazing how God came and met with his people. And built us up when we needed him most. Oh, Lord, do this, we pray, and may it fill us with praise. Pray this in Jesus' name.